0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, it's Father's Day. We're celebrating all things men. And so in that respect, I've been doing some thinking as to how to sum up men. And I've come to the conclusion that there are two types of men in the world. Uh, There's the men who cry at the end of the movie Field of Dreams... And then there's the men who lie about it. And if you haven't seen the movie Field of Dreams, because Kristen's a little bit younger than I, it was a 1989 film in, uh, uh, way back then in the 80s. Uh, spoiler alert. And by the way, when I think about it, spoiler alert, like it's been out for 30 years. So if you haven't seen it now, tough luck. Uh, but Field of Dreams, this guy uh, keeps hearing this voice of these ghosts from the cornfield. If you build it, he will come. And he thinks... Uh, that if he builds a baseball field in the middle of his cornfield, that uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, a famous player, ghost of players, would come back and play baseball with him. And Tilly realises right at the end of the movie but that this voice is not talking about Shoeless Joe Jackson, but in fact, it's talking about his father. And in the m- moment and the scene in the movie that has all men in tears when they watch this film... Uh, Ray's father comes back and meets his wife and meets his daughter and there are two men standing both at the same age. Talk to him, hey John, how you doing? This is my wife, this is my daughter and as this man walks away, everyone's feeling it. He turns to him, he says, hey dad, do you want to play catch? And John turns around and says, I'd love that and as these two men play catch on the field, you just see streams of lights of people coming up to watch baseball, the ghosts of baseball on this field. Every man loses that because, they loses themselves in that because there is something powerful about our relationship to our fathers. There is something powerful about our relationship to every parent, not just fathers but our mothers as well. There is something profound about our relationship to our pa- parents and growing up with our parents, what your parents said or did or didn't say to you, has a profound impact, and I know that for many of us, including myself, it impacts the way in which we live today, and parents say a lot of things, parents do a lot of things, trust me, as a parent, one of the most scary things about parenthood, Jordan, is that you realise that you start saying things that you think to yourself, this, is this going to muck my kids up in 30 years' time, amen? <laughs> because we say these words, and these words impact people's lives, and as kids we grew up looking for certain words, and I believe As children, but not just as children, as adults, this is what we're going to talk about today, there are certain words that we all want to hear, that deep within us, there are words that we want to hear, we want to hear words of belief over our life, we want to hear words of approval over our life, words of affirmation over our life, and look, I've just got to be upfront with it and say that, mums, because this is not just Father's Day, we want to honour you as well, I... (laughs) Mums, you're just kind of better at it than us. Can we just declare that, men, that the the mums are just kind of better at doing this in in our kids' lives? And I don't know if it's because as guys we're kind of emotionally a bit stunted, don't know how to express ourselves, or whatever it might be. But mums are just kind of better at saying this, which means that this, when these words come from a father, wouldn't you agree? There seems to be a weightiness and an extra power. Doesn't mean it's any better. But there's an extra power when these words of belief and affirmation come from a father. The problem is, for some of us, you didn't hear these words. The problem is, for some of us, you couldn't hear these words because Dad couldn't say them or Dad wasn't with you. And so, we grow up longing, I think, on one hand, for a mother's love but most importantly, for a father's affirmation and approval. Challenges challenge is, if we don't receive it, don't we see this in people's lives, that we often go looking for it, sometimes in all of the wrong places. We might not know it, but we live this out. We see this in um, one of, you know, talk about the 80s, you know, one of the great prophets of the 80s, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince, if you know him... Um, was constantly living out his relationship with his father. If you know a bit of Prince's biography, his father was an incredibly established jazz musician, and as a young boy, Prince pleaded with his father to teach him piano, and guess what? His father refused. And so, for the rest of his life, something deep within Prince just said, well, I'm going to prove him wrong, I'm going to do this. And so, Prince learned every single instrument that he could. In fact, on his first album, you may not know this, bit of music trivia, Prince played every instrument on his first album. And so, here is the thing, and here's how it works in life, is that we look at that and go, oh my goodness, isn't Prince so accomplished? Isn't he so magically gifted in what he did? And hidden over here is still a poor young boy that is searching for the words that we all want to hear. It affects us. It gets us. And so it's not unique to Prince and his family, by the way. Um, Some counsellors, like 30 years ago, John Trent, after hundreds of different cases with families, wrote this in one of his books. No matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass that approval onto your children, spouse and friends. And this is vital to your self-esteem and emotional well-being and what John Trent is saying in that is that, you know, whether we realise it or not, we are playing this out in our lives all the time, depending on the degree to which we've heard the words that we all want to hear. And so, I want to ask you a question this morning and I want to frame it up like this because I don't ask this question flippantly, I ask this question sensitively because in asking this question, I'm conscious in this room um, that in asking this question, this might, no, it will Stir up some emotion for some of you. Now, when you hear this question, I want to be sensitive to that as your father. And and when you hear this question, some of you are going to go, yeah, I love this question. This is is great. I love this question. Um, For some of you, you try and push it away and you don't want to deal with it. And so, the question is this, growing up, what did you hear from your father? What did you hear from your father? of course, some of us, it was like, it was great. I heard, you know, go for it. <laughs> go for it, son. Go for it, child. Go for it, daughter. You can do this. You've got this. You heard that. But for some of you, you heard, I'm disappointed in you. Why couldn't you have done a family business? Why did you p- pick that career for? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why couldn't you have just, <laughs> you'll never be able to do that. I love you, but. And for some of you, you didn't hear this voice at all. And the tension that we have is that we kind of say, look, can we just grow up and move on? You know, let's just man up. That's what we blokes do, don't we? We just man up. We just man up and move on. And the reality is that we see time and time again in the way we act, particularly men in the way that we act. That no, we can't just move on if we haven't dealt with the words that we all want to hear. We spend our lives princifying our lives. And so many of it, it's so tricky to see because you're successful and you're high achievers and you're doing great things in the world and really... For some of us, we're just a hidden 12-year-old boy that's still trying to prove dad or mum right or wrong. And so, I guess this Father's Day, and I don't want to leave us here, by the way, and the room kind of feels heavy, and I understand that, I'm sensitive to that. <laughs> Here's the more positive way to look at this this morning. Is it possible to reverse this? Like, are we stuck here in this? Is this just all we kind of got to deal with? Or is, is, is there a way that we can come out from underneath this? And more importantly, is, is there a way to hear the words that we all want to hear, even if our earthly fathers or mothers never spoke these words over our lives? And the good news is yes, absolutely Absolutely, because I want to take you this morning, wherever you are in that spectrum, whether it's been a good experience with your dad, whether it's been a tough or a bad experience with your dad, whether it's been an absent experience with your dad, I want to take you to a section of the Scriptures where you see a father giving to his son the words that we all want to hear. And what is so remarkable about this passage of Scripture and this story in the Bible is that it's not just every father-son combination. When we look at the passage that we're about to look at, this is God the Father giving His Son the words that we all want to hear. And so, the, the thing for us this morning is that I think the way we can read this passage is that it's not just words that are given to from God the Father to God the Son, but because they're given, they're words that can be given to you and yes, you can hear the words that you always want to hear. And there's two ways to also read this passage and frame this. If you're a parent, what you will see in this is this is a beautiful model for what you need to steward and what you need to push forward and what you need to be thinking about in your own children's lives. But most of all, for all of us, this is a passage where we can receive from the passage what it is that Jesus receives this morning. And so, let's go back to the context. Um, Jesus comes, Matthew 3, from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tries to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, you're the man, you're coming to me. And Jesus says, let it be so now, it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And so, John consents him and dunks Jesus. If you're clever and part of class, this is the passage that we picked up from last week, we talked about this last week, and we, so, we see the baptism of Jesus happening here, He's out there with John the Baptist by the Jordan River. Uh, and what we know of Jesus' life so far, what do we know so far? Well, not much. If you look at it, this is Matthew chapter 3, if you look at your Bibles, you'll see chapter 1's Jesus getting born. Chapter 2 is just a funny little humorous story about how his parents left him alone in Jerusalem for three days, forgot about him and then had to go pick him up again after they'd already walked to Nazareth. And then we have Jesus here, so this is kind of like the Superman montage, you know in Superman movie where he kind of has to grow up from little baby to big boy, this is kind of the montage of the first adult picture of Jesus's life and this is significant to understand the timing of this because I'm going to come back to it, is that this is the first glimpse of adult Jesus's life that we have and then we see this in verse 16. And so Jesus comes up out of the water and it says, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And at that moment, he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. That's a fascinating word. Alighting on him. Um, the, the, the concept of the word is, is literally, as the, the dictionary de- describes it, is, is, is like a, a bluebird that comes down to rest on a branch of a tree. And so, before any words are spoken, what is the picture that we see here from the Scriptures? To me, to me, this is the... This is, this is the biblical version, this is the universal version of the God of the universe peeling back the curtains into our world and coming down the stairs and getting down beside his boy and saying, hey buddy, how's it going? Note the presence of the Father in this before any word is spoken and parents, you have to understand this, presence in your kid's life can often be the greatest affirmation that you can ever give them. Presence first before the words, then, then, then he says the words that we all want to hear. And I'm sure you want to know what they are, right? What are these words that we all want to hear? What are these special words that we all want to hear? Here they are. And then a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. I put it to you, these are the words you all want to hear. These are the words that every child wants to hear. I know this because I wrote tested this on my own son. And I didn't give him the scripture. He said, What are you preaching on today, Dad? I said, Well, I'm preaching on the words that we all want to hear. And I, I said to him, What do you think the words we all want to hear are? And he said, Congratulations. <laughs> well, we, should we give him a tick? Yeah. Of course. Ten year old boy without any scriptural knowledge knows the words that we all want to hear. So, let's unpack this a little bit because for each of us specifically, there might be something in this. The first thing that we see in this is, this is my son. The first words that are spoken over Jesus' life is identity. I kind of get this image of God, the Father coming down and He's alongside Him and it's just, it's like, this is my boy. This is, this, is, this is my boy. And then you've got the son going, it's my dad. You thought JTB was cool. Like, I've just, I've got a dove and i've got the i got a voice from heaven like i've what well, my my dad's the dad of the universe you yeah, imagine imagine the size of Jesus' chest in this moment it's just brimming because he's been given this identity so important right because in the absence of identity for you and i we are so prone to go chasing identity in every other part of the world you see this in people's lives we'll go chase it in a career we'll chase it in relationships, we'll chase it in where we live. How many people do you know that are chasing things because they've never been, had the words spoken over them, this is my son, this is my daughter, you are seen, you belong, you are precious, you are significant, you are part of something. Speaks identity. And so, Jesus it's a remarkable thing in all of this, gets this identity spoken over Him. Because I think for us, our biggest issue is not trying to work out who we are, you know, in this world of like self-individualization, you know, like, what are you doing? Well, I'm just trying to work out who I am. I actually think the driver under all of this working out who I am is that we haven't first worked out whose I am. When I understand whose I am, that's what brings me the identity, that's what allows me to move forward in life with confidence and not chase it from other things he gets identity he knows what he's a part of when when i was at school <laughs> you know dad's father's day things you here when when i was at school i had to wear a tie to school no other kid in beacon hill public school wore a tie in winter but i had to wear a tie and so, I would go to school and all the other kids would be looking at me kind of funny because I wore a tie and I'd go home and I'm like, Dad, I don't want to wear a tie. Why have I got to wear a tie to school? No one else is wearing a tie. And Dad said to me, Wear Haddens. We wear ties. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sorry? Where's my tie today? Well, I'm, I'm rebelling against my dad. <laughs> We're all playing this stuff out. Have you heard the sermon? <laughs> And I love that. I had the conversation with Kristen in the car. Where hadn't we do this? Where we, happens we we don't do what the rest of the peers are doing. That's not about ties. Where happens we, we chart a course in life? We lead. We choose to be who we are and confident in that. We wear our ties with pride because that's who we are. And you have to hear this morning that if you are a child of God, that's who you are. We don't do this because we're children of the Most High God. Well, everyone else is sleeping around and everyone else is doing this and everyone else is going crazy. Well, we're we're the children of God. Everyone else is greedy. Everyone else is trying to stake everyone out of a business deal. No, we don't do that. We're the children of God. See how the identity affects your behavior? This is my son. Then he goes on to say, whom I love, love whom I love. The second word that so many of us need to hear is, I love you. I'm going to be real this morning. Like This is so difficult for some of you. Because it is so difficult to hear about the love from your heavenly Father when you've never received love from your earthly Father. It's so hard to see God as your father, when you've never seen a bit of God in your father. But this father says, I love you, whom I love, whom I love. And, you know, interestingly, the the way, way we could think about this is, you know, I often ask people the question, what do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? Let me ask you that question. What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? And can I give you the honest answer that most people give me as a pastor? I think most pastor people give me the answer, well, I, I just think God's disappointed with me. I think I kind of haven't lived up to His standard, you know, I get told that all the time in church. He <laughs> can't be happy with me. And so, we we buy into this silly fallacy that the the better I do, the more that God will love me. The better I am, the more that God will love me. And it starts to self-perpetuate because when you think about it, it's not surprising, right? Because if you haven't heard from your dad that I love you, then when it came to your earthly father, it worked this way. The better I am, the more that he loves me. The better I do what he wants me to do, the more he loves me. And so then what we do is we go and take that into our relationship with God and we create this thing called religion. And religion just perpetuates all of this and does exactly the same thing. Religion says the more I do, the better I am, the more that God will Love me. And so, as a result, we step back and we say, well, <laughs> how am I ever going to win this? Because, you know, if I'm never going to be perfect, I've always got to be better. What's the use in trying? And yet, the message of Jesus teaches actually, absolutely the opposite of that. The message of Jesus says, your Father loves you first. And so, therefore, my behaviour doesn't determine the shape of how, God's love, how God loves me. How God loves me shapes and determines my behavior. He says, I love you. I love you. And then finally, he says, with him, I'm well pleased. The Zach translation would be, congratulations. <laughs> now, The timing, and I don't want you to miss this, just stop for a second, I don't want you to miss the timing of when this is said. Remember, where are we, class, in the life and the ministry of Jesus? We're in Matthew chapter 3. We're, at the, we're not at the end of Jesus' ministry. This is not kind of fanfare down the streets of Jerusalem with ticker tape and Jesus. This is not triumphal entry sort of stuff. This is not a little comment from God. It's like Jesus is there with uh, raising Lazarus from the dead, and God's looking at him, going, "Good job." It's not. When's the timing? It's it's before he's done a skerrick of significant ministry. And that timing is absolutely everything, not only to Jesus's ministry, but to our lives as well. God says, I love you and I approve of you, son, before you ever do anything for me. And what incredible timing for Jesus to receive that. And why is this so significant? I, I had some fun with this this week. I, you can too. You're allowed to do that with the Bible every now and then, you know, like it's just... And some people get so caught up in whatever's written, thou must only speak about thou which is written in thy scriptures. Right, but I love to dream about, in his humanity, what do you reckon Jesus' ministry would have looked like if he'd never received these words? You know, he'd be like out there on the boats, he's like, come, I'm going to make you fishers of fame. And like, we're going to go do something big in the world and maybe hope heaps of people will like us, Right? You know, or he'll get into the temple with the money changers, and he's like, you know, oh, sorry, 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 (laughs) sorry. Or be there, you know, he's there before Pontius Pilate, and he says, "Are you the king of the Jews?" And he goes, "Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. No, 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 I'm cool." Ever wondered what Jesus' ministry would have looked like if He hadn't first have received the approval of His Father before He ever did a thing? A remarkably timed statement in all of this. It's so important for you and I to understand this declaration of approval, because when we take this to heart as Christians, we come to live out what the Christian philosopher Dallas Willard says is that, look, friends, you have to work out and realize that Christianity is the only religion in the world where you need to work out what you are going to do when you realize you don't have to do anything at all. Did you hear that? If it's with, if it's with them, I'm well pleased before you do anything, then Christianity is the only religion in the world where you're going to work out what you're going to do when you realize you don't have to do anything at all. He gives approval before the ministry even happens. And so let's stop for a second as we look at these incredible words, the words that we all need to hear. Let's just consider this for a second, why would this be in the Bible? Why, why not just dunk him? Why not just put him under the water, do the religious thing, get him out, get the guy a towel, let's go down with life and ministry? Why is there going to be the dove from heaven? Why, why is this being recorded in Scriptures? It's fascinating, isn't it? And here's my take Revelation on it this week, that Jesus in His humanity, that even Jesus in His humanity needed to hear the words that we all need to hear and I hope that you're seeing that if maybe just maybe if Jesus had not heard these words that we all need to hear that he would have had a totally warped life and ministry maybe he probably you know what would have happened he probably would have gone and learned every single musical instrument in the bible He would have princified his life, he wouldn't have heard these words and so he would have grown up saying, I I was trying to do the will of the Father back in chapter 2 when I was hanging out with all the uh, elders and the teachers in the temple in Jerusalem and so I'm going to prove Dad right and I'm going to prove him wrong. Isn't it remarkable that I think Jesus in His humanity needed to hear the words that we all need to hear and so let me come back to that question, what did you hear from your father growing up? More importantly, what did you wish you heard from your father growing up and I ask it for those who are saying yes Sam you know what like I don't think I heard this and it's difficult for me because I have been so blessed with a great dad that I've heard those sorts of words and I have been blessed with a dad that um, loves me and makes me feel approved I've been blessed with a dad that sits there and controls the volume on this very message so if I say anything bad about him he's going to cut me off Happy Father's Day, Dad. (laughs) I've been blessed with a great dad, but I know for some of us, our dads have been less than perfect. And so, I want you to hear you are able to reverse this trend this morning. Because one of the greatest gifts that we see out of this passage is that those words were not just for Jesus Christ, they were for you. They are for you if you're a follower of Jesus. Because John's Gospel says in chapter 1 verse 12 to 13, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but they were born of God. You become a child of God. And so my question for you then this morning, if that is you and you are a child of God, will you allow the heavenly Father to speak the words that you've always wanted to hear over your life this morning? And some of you might say, yeah, but Sam, you don't know my dad, and you don't know what my dad was like, and you don't know what he said. Look, I don't know your earthly dad, but I do know your dad, because your dad is my dad, and I just heard the words from my dad, and I just heard the words from my heavenly father. And what I find really, really interesting, that even Jesus Christ, I'm sure Joseph was a good guy, And I'm sure Joseph tried his best, but I'm sure there were times when Joseph grew up that he just got angry and frustrated with Jesus. I'm sure there were times with Joseph, then he's like, son, did you know what you put me through with your mother and the donkey and the whole thing? And it was just, the whole thing was a mess, you know? And I'm sure there's moments where Jesus just kind of felt like Joseph was a little bit ticked off and he had every right to be. (laughs) I'm sure Joseph wasn't the perfect father and even Jesus in his humanity needed to hear the words from a perfect father. Your dad is my dad. Your heavenly dad is my dad. And as a father, like I've asked this morning in the giving, what do you give your heavenly father? What do you give a father who doesn't need any Father's Day present at all? I think what we can give him this morning is, well, really nothing. The best thing that we can do, like every good earthly father on Father's Day, is that they just want you to receive. If you can't give him everything, he just wants you to receive. And so I want to invite you now as we get ready to finish, I'm sorry for any of you note takers who I love so dearly, I'm sorry for all of you key ones who thought where's the application point, I'm sorry if there's no homework for this week, I'm sorry if there's nothing for you to do at the end of this service. I apologise in advance and we'll get straight to it next week when you come back to Northside. But for this morning, as we bow our heads now in prayer, I just want you to receive, regardless of who or where your heavenly Father was in the spectrum of things, if you've had a great, heavenly, a great earthly Father like I have, maybe you want to give praise and gratitude. But if you've had a less than desirable Father this morning, earthly Father, then I want to, as you bow your heads and perhaps hold your hands out in front of you, ready to receive from Him, I want to speak on His behalf the words that you and I all want to hear. This is my son, this is Eric, and this is Scott, this is Sam, this is Singh, these are my sons. This is my daughter, this is Kieran, this is Michelle, this is Kristen, this is Irene, this is my daughter, this is my son, Who I love. And with you, regardless of what you do and how well you do it, I am pleased. Congratulations. Let's pray. Father, will you help us take these words that we want to hear to our hearts this morning? may we receive this by the power of your holy spirit because if my life is like anyone in this room there have been multiple moments in my week this week where i haven't lived out of these words and i pray over every person in this auditorium or within the sound of my voice on this live stream or youtube clip whenever they're watching it, that by your power and your grace we would become the sort of people who start Living from these words rather than striving for these words in life. Thank you for what you have spoken over us this morning, Father. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.